This is the Mahabharata Podcast, Episode 69, Kurukshetra, Days 11 and 12, the Dronaparva. I must admit, last episode was the toughest one I've had to cover so far. I can't help but feel a little emotional about Bhishma's downfall at the hands of someone who loved and respected him so dearly. It really has to be one of the most powerful and moving scenes out of any work of literature, not to mention that this also happens to be one of the oldest works of literature as well. Be that as it may, everything happened just as it needed to happen. Bhishma had fulfilled his oaths, and all that remained of his dharma was to die in a way fitting for the world's greatest kshatriya, on a bed of arrows. Never being one for taking the easy way out, Bhishma dutifully accepted his doom, but refused to leave this world until the astrological time was ripe. Calling on the boon he had earned with his oath not to marry, Bhishma declared his intention to remain living, on his bed of arrows, until the sun resumed its northward journey at the winter solstice at which time his tortuous bed would become his funeral pyre. In the meantime, a protective trench was dug around his resting place, and an honor guard of kings were placed around him at all times. Although he had refused to leave his body, Bhishma had already renounced the comforts of the living. Thus, none could tend to his wounds, offer him food or water. The only comfort he allowed was to have Arjun conjure a spring of heavenly water to quench his thirst. Later that night, when things had settled down somewhat, Karna emerged from his tent and presented himself to the Kuru Patriarch. Sanjay says that Karna went to his rival not without some trepidation. When he caught sight of that great man, impaled by Arjun's long arrows, he choked up. With tears in his eyes, he said, O Bhishma, it is I, Radha's son, Karna, who always saw disgust in your eyes whenever he came to your presence. Slowly, Bhishma opened his eyes. Recognizing Karna there, he dismissed his guards. When everyone was out of hearing range, Bhishma embraced Karna with one arm like a father embraces his son. Speaking with great affection, he said, Come here, my dear rival. I am glad you have come to me. But you are not Radha's son, nor is Adirata the Sutta your father. Mighty hero, the sun god is your father. Narada and Vyasa have both told me your story. I feel no hatred for you, my son. I used to speak harshly to you, but it was only to prevent you from compounding your mistakes. It was wrong of you to revile your brothers, the Pandavas. But tragically, you were born illegitimately, and by staying in the company of wicked men, it made you malicious even to the virtuous. That is why I often said harsh words to you in the court of the Kurus. I have not failed to notice that your prowess in battle is unrivaled among mortal combatants. I have admired your valor, loyalty, and generosity. I only spoke harsh words to you out of fear that you might do something unlawful to your own brothers. You are generous to Brahmins, the child of a god, and invincible in battle. Any grudge I may have had in the past is now gone, but the Pandavas are your blood brothers. If you wish to honor me, then unite with them. Son of Surya, let this enmity cease with my death, and let all the kings of the earth enjoy peace. Karna replied, I do not doubt that all you say is true, but although I am Kunti's son, she left me to die, and I was only saved by a Sutta's wife. It was Duryodhana who recognized my abilities, and I owe him everything, my wife, my sons, my wealth, and even my life all belong to him. I have already renounced all these things for Duryodhana's sake. It is not fitting for a warrior to die of old age. This conflict was inevitable, and there is no point in trying to avert it. I know perfectly well that the Pandavas and Vasudeva are invincible, but it is my duty to fight them and defeat them if I can. I intend to fight Dhananjaya according to my dharma, and I will do it joyfully. My mind is made up, so with your blessing allow me to enter the fight. But if, out of impetuosity or insolence, I have offended you, then please forgive me. Bhishma said, 
Very well, if you cannot renounce this bitter feud, then fight with my blessing. Fight, and may you find your salvation by fighting, free of attachments. Perform your duty to the best of your ability. Free yourself of anger and arrogance, and may you find what you desire in that. Through Dhananjaya, may you attain paradise on the field of battle, for there is no better fate for a true warrior. Bhishma paused then, and after a few minutes' silence, he said, Karna, for so long I have made great efforts to achieve peace, but it could not be done, I tell you truthfully. No more was said between the two. Karna just rose and walked back to Duryodhana's tent. This ends the sixth book of the Mahabharata, called the Bhishma Parva. The Bhishma Parva is also known as the first of the battle books of the Mahabharata. Each of these books is named after the Karva general in charge during that period of the war. Now that Bhishma is out of the fight and waiting for death, it is time for a new commander. Thus, our next book is named after the new general. It is called the Drona Parva. In case you've lost track in the course of all this bloodshed, it is worth remembering that the tale of the Great War is conveyed as a conversation between blind king Dhritarashtra and his charioteer Sanjay. Sanjay has been granted divine sight by the sage Vyasa, and thus he is reporting the story as he sees it occurring out on the battlefield. The Dronaparva opens with Dhritarashtra's reaction to the news of Bhishma's downfall. It says that the blind king was plunged into sorrow and anxiety for his sons, but despite this, he still harbored dreams that they might yet win this conflict. Dhritarashtra asks Sanjay how each side reacted to the fall of Bhishma. Sanjay replied that the Pandavas paid due respects to their uncle in a solemn and reverential state of mind, but by morning of the next day, their minds turned once again to the conflict that was yet to be settled. As for the Karavas, Sanjay says they were completely shattered by the demise of their leader. They felt as if on the verge of an abyss, but then their thoughts turned to Karna. They considered his ability and his past accomplishments, and they felt their confidence returning. Karna was summoned, and he showed up riding on an enormous war chariot, armed and outfitted for war. The sight of Karna, moving like a ponderous war machine, reassured Duryodhana immensely. The Karva king asked for Karna's advice on how they should proceed. Karna recommended that Drona be made their new commander, and Duryodhana readily agreed. Before agreeing to take on this responsibility, Drona wanted to make sure they were aware of the limits of his abilities. He said, As you say, I am indeed skilled in the use of every weapon, and I fear no man, but you should know that there is one man among the Pandavas whom I cannot kill. He is Dristad Yumna, Drupad's son, and he was born to end my life. As for the rest of them, I'll kill them all until there's only him and the five Pandavas left alive. This was good enough for Duryodhana. Happily, he had Drona anointed as their commander-in-chief, and the warriors prepared for the eleventh day of battle. When Karna appeared in the field by Drona's side, fighters on both sides felt it was as if Bhishma had never been defeated. Soon enough, the battle was resumed for the eleventh day. Sanjay described the usual litany of destruction and death, and this time it was Drona's turn to sow chaos among the Pandava's allies. As we've heard many times before, Drona killed countless warriors as Arjun did similar damage to his opponents. At this point, it seems even Sanjay got bored of describing the endless violence, because his story trailed off and then he pronounced, My king, on that day Drona was like the sun come down to earth and set everything alight that he touched. But now he is in heaven. His victims were innumerable, but Drona finally fell at Dristad Yumna's hand. Dhritarashtra had probably expected another endless account of unnamed warriors being killed, so the news of his preceptor's death deeply unsettled him. The blind king said, That's impossible. You're saying the greatest warrior that ever lived was slain by a mob of Pandavas and Shirinjayas? 
The old king became so upset that Sanjay worried for his life. Dhritarashtra fell out of his chair in a faint, and doctors were summoned to revive the old man. When Dhritarashtra was finally brought back to consciousness, he said to Sanjay, With the death of Bhishma and of Drona, all my hard-earned wealth shall pass to Yudhishthira. Disaster has overtaken our clan. Even so, I wish to hear exactly what happened. Sanjay said, Very well then, let me tell you what I saw of how Drona was killed on the field of battle. With that, Sanjay's narrative returned back to the morning of the eleventh day as the Karavas were preparing for battle. As the new commander, Drona, asked Duryodhana what his overall strategy for the day should be, Duryodhana said, If you wish to prove your worthiness as my commander, then I ask this one favor. Bring me their king, Yudhishthira, alive. Drona said, Really? I'm glad to hear it. So I take it you mean to capture him, so you might return to him what rightfully belongs to him. Duryodhana said, Don't be ridiculous. Of course not. The reason we must capture him alive is that should Yudhishthira be killed, there's no telling what Arjun will do. Without a doubt, he would, if necessary, tear down the fabric of space and time to avenge his brother. No, if we stand any chance against him, we must first capture his elder brother. Once we've got a hold of Yudhishthira, we'll arrange another dice game, and he and his brothers shall meekly return to the forest where they belong. Drona's hopes had momentarily risen, but then came crashing down when he learned of the Karva's sneaky plan. Drona said, Very well then, consider Yudhishthira as good as captured, but this will only be possible if we can somehow distract Arjun, or get him out of the way, because, as you say, even the gods and Asuras could not stand against him, and I for one will not even try. It is true that he was once my student, but he is without question my superior at arms. He may be young, but his training and accomplishments are unrivaled in all the world. Plus, his arsenal of magic weapons exceeds even Indra and Shiva. Besides, his anger at you is such that I will not be able to stop him. But if Arjun can somehow be driven away or distracted, then we have a good chance at capturing his eldest brother. Dorona concluded, saying, I can assure you, if you can get Arjuna out of the way for just a little while, then I will capture the King of Righteousness, and he will be yours to command. But if Arjuna is anywhere near his brothers, then forget it. Not even a legion of Indras could do it. Sanjay says that it wasn't long after that, spies reported the whole plan to the king of the Pandavas. When Yudhishthira heard it, he spoke to Arjuna, saying, Well, my brother, you've heard what they plan to do, but their plan has an obvious flaw, and that flaw is you. If you can just stay by my side, we shall deny them their objective. Arjuna assured his brother that he had nothing to fear. He said, Our old teacher cannot defeat me, and I will not desert you. As long as I live, Drona shall not take you as his prisoner. Not long after, the fighting began. I'll spare you all the details, as they tend to run together after a while, and I think you've gotten a good taste of it in the past days of battle. One exceptional moment came when Jayadratha attacked Abhimanyu. At one point, they were both dismounted, and the king of Sindh brought his broadsword smashing down on Arjuna's son. Abhimanyu raised his shield, and the sword shattered when it struck. Disarmed, Jayadratha retreated, but Shalya covered for him by flinging an iron spear at the boy warrior. In a single motion, Abhimanyu sheathed his sword, grabbed the spear out of the air, spun it around, and sent it flying back at his opponent, killing Shalya's driver. His uncles and cousins all cheered at this amazing feat. As the day drew to a close, Drona launched a major assault on the Pandavas, hoping to make good his promise as quickly as possible. The Brahmins sowed chaos and death among the Pandavas, and soon he was just a few feet from his quarry, Yudhishthira. Drona knocked Yudhishthira from his chariot, and the bystanders thought this must be the end of the fight. But before Drona could pull the Pandava out of his cart, 
Arjun came crashing down on him. The ferocity of Arjun's attack scattered his brother's attackers and threw Drona on the defensive. As the day turned to night, Drona was reduced to trying to keep his soldiers from running away. The Pandavas returned to camp in high spirits, but on the Karava side, Drona was feeling pretty hopeless. He complained to Duryodhana that he'd never achieved their mission so long as Arjuna was on the loose. The Karavas and their allies all sat there silently a while, lost in a deep funk, when finally Susharman, king of the Trigartas, spoke up. He said, My warriors are getting tired of feeling the sting of Arjun's arrows. It seems we are doomed to die at his hands regardless, so let us make this sacrifice. Allow me and my brothers to lead the offensive to drive Arjun away from his brothers. Whether we succeed or fail, we do not expect to get out of this alive, but we shall embrace heaven and will do it anyway. And so Susharman and his brothers, along with their entire army of the Trigartas, all made a vow to drive Arjun off the field and to embrace their inevitable death in the process. So that night, a great big funeral pyre was prepared, and each of the soldiers was anointed and blessed by priests. They each swore to kill Arjuna or die trying, and gave away all their possessions in preparation for this final effort. The following morning, as the troops were being arrayed, the Pandavas noticed that a large chunk of the Karva army had headed off the field to a separate location. Heralds were sent over who announced that the Trigartas had sworn an oath to kill Arjun or die trying, and that they had issued a challenge to him. When Arjun heard this, he turned to Yudhishthira and said, My king, you know that I cannot turn down a challenge. Please allow me to crush them. At least by the time I'm done with them, you have a lot less enemies to worry about. Yudhishthira said, Well, you know perfectly well what Drona has in mind. I know you're a great warrior, but Drona's no slouch either. Arjun reassured his brother, saying, You will be well guarded by Dristadyumna. He was born to kill Drona. At that, Yudhishthira gave his brother his blessing, and Arjun set out to kill the vast army of the Trigartas. For Arjun, killing the individual Trigartas was like shooting fish in a barrel. The only problem was that there were so many of them. Perhaps for entertainment, Arjuna loosed one of his magic weapons. This one cast confusion on the enemy and made them think everyone was Arjun. Each attacked the Arjun at hand, but in reality they were all attacking each other. Meanwhile, Drona was wreaking havoc among the rest of the Pandavas. The description of the fighting that day runs to nearly 200 pages in my book. A lot of it involves peripheral characters whom we've never heard of, plus the requisite feats of our lesser heroes, such as Nakul and Sahadev, and the five sons of Draupadi, etc. At one point, Drona had the Pandavas hard-pressed. They were all crowded together and were being attacked on all sides when Bhimasena led a counter-strike. He burst through the enemy lines and scattered the attackers. Soon, he had zeroed in on Duryodhana. While the pair fought, Bhim destroyed the Karva's snake banner and smashed his bow. A barbarian king named Anga came to the rescue, astride a mountainous elephant. While the beast charged, Bhim grabbed an arrow, and when the beast was up close, he drove it into the elephant's eye, killing it instantly. For good measure, he beheaded Anga before he even reached the ground. More elephants came charging in, and soon Bhim was lost in a sea of elephants. When nothing was seen of Bhim for a while, people began saying that he must have been killed. King Bhagadatta, meanwhile, was astride a giant elephant that must have been the size of a mastodon, because with one foot the creature smashed Nakul's chariot. Bhagadatta led an entire herd of these beasts, directing them all with an iron-tipped goad that had an uncanny influence on them. Arjun could hear the ground shaking with their charge, and he suddenly grew worried. He knew King Bhagadatta could only be stopped by him, but it meant breaking off with the Trigartas. 
As he paused to consider this, the Tudagartas all stuck their tongues out at him and mocked him for hesitating before a challenge. Arjun considered this a while, and then, feeling like he was being pulled into two pieces, he turned back to fight with the Trigartas. Sanjay said, This was exactly what Duryodhana was hoping for. By choosing to remain fighting the Trigartas, Arjun had sprung their trap. The Trigartas soon paid for their taunts with tremendous slaughter. Even Krishna was impressed with Arjuna's brutality. The Trigartas soon paid for their taunts with tremendous slaughter. Even Krishna was impressed with Arjuna's brutality. His voice full of wonder, he said, This would even test the strength of Yama or Indra. Indeed, Arjun soon had the greater part of the Trigartas dead on the field. His enemies thus beaten back and traumatized, Arjun said to Krishna, Enough of this for now. Take me to King Bhagadatta. At this point, a major part of the Pandava's wing was crumbling under the combined assault of Drona and Bhagadatta's elephants. Arjuna raced over to the scene when he saw the vast destruction that Bhagadatta's elephants had done to his friends and allies. Taking his time, he slowly picked his enemy to pieces with his arrows. First, he shot out all of his weapons, then used his arrows to dismantle Bhagadatta's armor. When the king was thus stripped of his defenses, Arjuna shot the crown off his head. Arjun filled Bhagadatta's body with his arrows. But the king did not fall. Instead, he muttered an incarnation to his magic goad. It turns out that this goad was in reality the divine Vaishnava weapon. As his final act, King Bhagadatta fired this at his opponent. It is said that no one can withstand the blow of the Vaishnava weapon. But just before it struck Arjun, Krishna stood up and received the blow full in the chest. The weapon struck him and was consumed by him in a blinding light. Krishna glowed brilliantly for a while, but was otherwise unhurt. Krishna took a moment to explain what had happened. He said the weapon had originally belonged to him, but at one time the Earth Mother had asked for it as a gift for her son Narika. Somehow Bhagadatta had gotten it from Narika, so Krishna had merely taken his own weapon back. He commanded Arjun, That weapon is no longer his, so kill him now. He is a super asura, an archdemon. Rid the world of him. Arjuna did not hesitate. He fired an arrow into the elephant's head, and as it crashed to the ground, he shot a second arrow through Bhagadatta's head, killing him. Sanjay says, A hot wind blew through the car of his army when he died. This king, also known as Pragyotisha, had been a drinking buddy of Indra's. Out of respect for his father's friend, Arjun circled his corpse three times. At this moment, we learn that Duryodhana's uncle Shakuni had two brothers. This pair of princes tried to avenge Bhagadatta, but a single arrow from Arjun's bow went clear through both of the brothers as they charged him. Shakuni tried to avenge them by casting some spells. The first spell animated all the fallen weapons on the battlefield and sent them hurtling at Arjun, but Arjun shot them all out of the air. Shakuni's second spell cast darkness over Arjun's chariot, but he had a remedy for that as well, in the form of an arrow that brought the light of the sun to earth. That was enough for Shakuni. After his tricks failed, he ran away. Shakuni wasn't the only one to run away. By now, most of their ranks were broken and fleeing Arjuna's arrows. As happened so many times before, the Karvas managed to solidify their lines and counterattacked. This time, Dristadyumna dueled with Drona while Arjun fought with Karna. Like Shakuni, we are told that Karna had at least three brothers fighting at his side. We barely meet these fellows, and then Arjun killed all three. Before either of these encounters could be concluded, the sun set, ending the twelfth day of the war. So far, the Karva's plan to kidnap Yudhishthira has failed, but Drona still lives. Thirteen is an unlucky number here in the West. 
Next time, we'll see what kind of luck it brings to the Pandavas on day 13. Thanks for listening. <laughs>